December 1989. On the 3rd of December, George H.W. Bush and Mikhail Gorbachev declared an end to the Cold War. I was only three years old at the time, and my memory is sparse, but I don't think anyone actually cares. Luckily, something much more culturally significant was just around the corner. I'm talking, of course, about the U.S. premiere of Akira on Christmas Day, 1989. Akira had its original release on July 15, 1988 in Japan, during what is considered the golden age of anime. This is a period of time where, due to the Japanese financial and economic boom, there was a growing demand for the creation and consumption of animation. This is a time period before anime was really anime. Otaku culture and the late-stage capitalism of Japan had yet to solidify what the key ingredients were for anime. They had yet to develop the niche tastes that would make demands on creators and artists to produce pandering material. This meant that anime created during this period could challenge what animation can be and be made to appeal directly to no one, allowing it to appeal to possibly anyone. Technically based on the Akira manga that was started in 1982, the film was also responsible for inspiring the manga. Akira, the film, is directed by Katsuhiro Otomo, who is also the creator of the manga, and is essentially a truncated version of the first volume of the manga and the final sixth volume. The thing is though, the manga was written before, during, and after the film, with the final volume not being released until 1990. Akira was like lightning out of a clear sky, a dystopian vision of what 2019 could be, tackling the existential dread the Japanese society as a whole felt about advancing technology. Technology in the West had always been held with a sort of mystic reverence, but with creations like Godzilla and Akira, we can see a great anxiety in Japan with regards to the march of technology. Akira was a critical success upon release in Japan, while not necessarily being a financial one. Despite this, the film was being championed for a Western release early out the gates by the likes of Francis Ford Coppola, George Lucas, and Steven Spielberg. So distributors, however, did not think there was a viable financial incentive for adult animation. Luckily, a new company, Streamline Productions, said fuck it and changed your life forever. If you ever watched Dragon Ball Z, Sailor Moon, or know what a Gundam is, it's because of Akira. Akira is the catalyst for anime and adult animation in general's presence in the West. An argument can even be made for the MCU never existing without Akira being released in the United States. We don't have time for that though, we need to get to a podcast. What I do need to tell you though, is that the chain reaction Akira started has fizzled out. The future has been cancelled, and it was cancelled a long time ago now. There is an artificial flame in a plastic facade that is tended by unknowable beings, corporations like Disney and Sony. Jacques Derrida coined the term hauntology to refer to the idea that we never encounter things as fully present, as fully real. All of our experiences are mixed up with the past and the future. We can only understand the present by contextualizing it with the past and future, and that way we are always haunted. What we're talking about today though, is a more specific interpretation of hauntology, the cultural hauntology. The way in which our media is haunted by the past and the future, and how, how the capitalist reliance on cultural prestige or of the past has led to an absence of any imagined future. The future is lost, and we are only haunted now by the past. We return endlessly to past, cult, past futures instead of cultiv cultivating our own conceptual futures. Kira predicts a 2019 that is more openly dystopian than our actual 2019, and its accuracies can be seen simply as quaint novelty in the 2019 we all inhabit. Oddly though, the real cultural dystopia present in our 2019 is highlighted only in retrospect by Akira. We are no longer able to imagine our world 40 years beyond our time. We instead are forced to cling to the retrofuturism that was presented to us when it was an actual possible future. A few examples, the lingering corpse of the Fallout series, Netflix's Stranger Things, Ready Player One, even Blade Runner 2049, and perhaps this very podcast. 
Superhero films are also in this swirling abyss of hauntology, occupying an even shorter time loop where characters are recycled over and over again for a new co consumer event where the past is forgotten and the only future is more of the same. Disney as a whole, of course, has made an entire industry off of hauntology with Star Wars, remakes of the very recent animated successes, and artificial copyright extensions. As the release of Cyberpunk 2077 approaches, I get the feeling that this game too will be a monument of hauntology. Its seeming reliance on aesthetics, pastiche, and the studio's tiptoeing around the politics of the setting leads me to believe that it'll also be just another work of capitalist emptiness. I already know that the tabletop game itself uses the politics of cyberpunk and what the possible future would be as mere set dressing, and it of course depicts a possible future from a genre of art that is firmly in the past with Akira. Likely because of the dominance of neoliberalism, we have reached a cultural impasse. Media giants, and society as a whole, are no longer daring to anticipate any future or conceive of a new world. Demand is only for the repetition of old, already established norms, a return to the status quo, no matter how abstract or incorporeal that might be. I love Akira. I love cyberpunk. As can be affirmed from this podcast, I love 80s media in general. There's a particular nostalgia due to this media culture being part of my early childhood, and the aesthetics are cool to me and many others. I'm not trying to dismiss the inherent aesthetic values and cultural resonance of these creations, but what if this constant rehashing and re-perpetuating of old media is a symptom of a greater cultural malaise, as alluded to by philosophers like Derrida? What happens when a creative and cultural milestone becomes nothing more than a pot of ingredients to be repurposed for not something new, but something horrific? thing that doesn't move culture forward, but instead keeps us stuck in a haunted world of our own design. A structure that doesn't decay is a structure that can never provide space for a new structure. You'll never grow old, Michael, and you'll never die, but you must beat.
here we are. It's the 50th episode. It It's filled like 900. This is the last episode as well. 50, 50 and done. <laughs> yeah, that's what everyone says about podcasts, right? Is you just do it one year and give up. And <laughs> that's how you... We get... didn't really technically make it one year, but... <laughs> <laughs> I think we're roughly around there. I, I mean, yeah, technically we probably started recording around now. Yeah. Well, I noticed it started raining outside. For like two seconds. I knew it was going to happen. I knew it. I manifested it. You manifested nothing. Manifest destiny. <laughs> that's bullshit. Shut up, Marianne. <laughs> got big orb energy. No, you just got to visualize the hurricane away. It worked. Right? Not for the Bahamas. <laughs> it worked. It worked in the white world. <laughs> the Anglosphere just got stronger with the prayers. <laughs> I'm pretty sure I've read some people that uh, that I legitimately believe that, and they use history uh, to bolster their points. Uh, they use the history of like yeah, know, Angles, uh, the imperialist, the everybody, the imperialist West, uh-huh. saying that white people are the best. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Yeah, that seems pretty. Because we were the the cruelest and hardest. Not me specifically. My most of my ancestors are Celts. They're mud people. Goddamn mud people. Bog trotters. Bog apes. Yeah, this is the fiftieth episode, though. We are VHS cult now. The cult. We're gonna change again in like forty episodes. Don't worry. Nah, we're sticking with the cult. Nope. Cold angle. Welcome to the cult. You're in my cult now. Yeah. Whatever. Kids of commander. Kiz a commander. It's like Kiz a Manson now. Kiz a man. I mean, I don't know. <laughs> That'll be it's really easy to market. <laughs> <laughs> That's been my like YouTube name for a while though. Kiz a Manson. <laughs> yeah. Ah <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, fuck. We watched Akira. Akira. You heard what the fucking Akira. the fucking news is about this film? Is uh, everyone just wishes they could make Akira. That's it. They don't want to make a new Akira or anything. <laughs> they just want to make Akira. In fact, it was... So it's been... They've People been trying, to, been trying to make a, a live-action Akira. Live-action Akira basically since Akira came out. Uh, most recently, where? Taika Waititi was going to direct it, but then Marvel said, no, you got to direct another Thor movie. He's like, yeah, okay. And so hopefully Akira just never gets made. I I said this off air, but I would much rather watch another Thor movie than watch someone try to do a live-action Akira. I yeah I I absolutely don't want to watch a live action Akira ever. So any movie that comes out, I'd rather watch than live action Akira, especially Cats twenty nineteen. <laughs> did you see the Onion? Uh, it's like they've come up with an even bleaker take on the Joker, and he's like an old man taking care of his wife after a stroke. <laughs> <laughs> That's the movie, but maybe I'd rather watch live action Akira, <laughs> <laughs> like Memento. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Hey, the, the Memento actually plays in the hauntology a little bit, like uh, the uh, short-term neuro disorder he has, where he can only <laughs> remember Everybody the has that, but like in a culture, yeah, <laughs> media. Yeah, that, but it only has to do with media and culture. Society's crumbling around us, and you can see it in film and TV shows. <laughs> it's awesome. Let's get to it. So, 1989, Akira comes out in the United States. Only eight days after the premiere of The Simpsons, which now is also just shambling along as some sort of zombified corpse. No, no, they've been fresh for for 30 years. <laughs> 30 years. It has been 30 years now, huh? Yeah. <laughs> Gee, I remember when it was like season 20, and I was like, really? Well, I mean, 89 is when they premiered, when the actual show started, right? They were on the Tracy Allman show before that. Yeah, just a little shorts, but only like a year or two years, before yeah. that, like 87. I don't know. My entire lifetime, The Simpsons have been on TV pretty much. Yeah. 
and um, haven't been good for the last 20. <laughs> that might even be a little generous. I mean, like, yeah, even the, like the 10th and 11th seasons, like, yeah. We're not talking the, about Akira. The We're Armin, talking about Akira, not Simpsons. The, well, <laughs> the Armin Tanzarian Skinner episode is season 11, I think, right? Yeah, I think it is. Yeah. Or it might be season 10. Yeah, which is like, yeah, that was the end of The Simpsons, really. <laughs> At least uh, they made Skinner um, Armenian. You see a lot of Armenian representation in the media. Not until the Kardashians came along. (laughs) Armenia has never been the same since. (laughs) Sorry, Armenia. One time, uh, I think I told you this. Some guy at work was trying to tell me. He's like, oh, I watched this conspiracy video about the Kardashians, about how they're all evil witches and they're casting a spell and blah, blah, blah. And I was like, was the guy who made the video, was he Turkish? <laughs> yeah, because that was just like, oh, all those spooky Armenians. <laughs> Yikes. I guess it's not good to joke about. Turkey did do a genocide on them. <laughs> That's true, they did. Yeah, they won't admit to they it. They won't so, admit um, to it. Well, speaking of not admitting to your war crimes, Akira. <laughs> Japan. <laughs> Straight from Japan. So, as mentioned in the uh, cold open... Japan's got a lot of anxiety about technology and specifically technology that's made into weapons of war. Obviously, it's because we bombed the shit out of them. Yeah. And you kind of just like don't get over something like that. I don't don't think. (laughs) It doesn't seem like we've gone over it. Although, to be fair, they've also not really dealt with their own uh, atrocities, as we've already alluded to. Well, I... They uh they didn't commit any atrocities, right? Yeah, right. I think that's the official. Well, Chinese come from women. I don't. I'm not familiar. Yeah, I think that's the official stance. Manchuria. Is... I'm also. I'm not. That's a place. Are you sure? Give me Shinzo Abe on the horn right now. <laughs> the uh, he's got Abenomics, like Reaganomics, but Abenomics. <laughs> <laughs> it'll, it'll trickle up. Yeah. Yeah, that's always the uh, like on the internet when it's like, oh, Shinzo Abe snubbed Trump. Take that, Trump. But it's like he's a piece of shit too. He's a nationalist. I mean, most of the people that get to that level uh, are are shitty because it's kind of hard to to get that kind of power and not step on people to do it. Yeah, that's why I think like the next like big like G seven summit or. Any big like me? Bare knuckle boxing. No, it's it's gonna be like oh surprise! It's Hunger Games <laughs> or Battle Royale rather. Yeah, I don't. That's a better give it the original one. It's got Chiaki Kuriyama in it. She's got a cool nose, and she's Go Go Yubari and Kill Bill. Which I'm gonna call it now. She's gonna come back up in sometime in the next month or so as we get into Halloween spooky movies. <laughs> it's gonna be a real tenuous connection, but I'm. I'm gonna try. I'm gonna to work it in. I'm gonna try to remember to bring it up. <clears throat> she does not appear in this film though, because my guess is she was probably like three not, years old not when born. the movie came out. <laughs> uh, here's the deal with this film: it's the greatest animated film of all time. Uh, uh, hmm. What's the competition? Lots. Some Studio Ghibli movie <laughs> and end of list. Don't say any fucking dumb Disney shit. <laughs> you don't like Peter Pan. I like Peter Pan, the you know, story. Like, I don't like when he meets the um, natives. What oh, yeah, because the Japanese red, people have never done anything racist in their fucking animated movies. Wow, it's not an Akira. <laughs> so it doesn't matter. If it's not an Akira, it doesn't matter. You like uh, Grave of the Fireflies, that really sad movie? Yeah, it's a super sad one. Yeah, what about My Neighbor Totoro? I think those two are showing Totoro. as a double feature. That was a fucking mistake. 
I guess you could watch no. the Fireflies and be like, all right. Mighty for Totoro. That's how they did it. I Totoro. Think. Now we'll watch Totoro. But I mean, they all are kind of dealing with the same thing. Isn't the implication that the mom is like dealing with radiation sickness? What? In Totoro? Yeah. Oh, you know, I never really thought of that. You dumbass. You're not allowed to talk about a cure anymore. Get the fuck out. I, well, I actually don't like Totoro that much. I've only watched it a couple times. My daughter really likes it. We watch it every once in a while. Oh. Do, do your kids like Spirited Away? I don't know if they've seen Spirited Away yet. We've only watched a lot of the earlier Studio Ghibli movies. Oh, like, uh, have you watched Porco Rossi? Uh, yeah, and uh, Kiki's Delivery Service. Mm-hmm. Porco Rossi's got a cool line in it because he's a pig man. And he's like, I'd rather be a pig than a cop. <laughs> 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 yeah, take that, society. Anyways, back to Akira, the greatest animated movie of all time. Greatest animated movie of all time. Uh, it was not directed by Todd Phillips and did not win a gold line at the Venice Film Festival. You know it did though. Roman Polanski and the Joker. No, he got like second place <laughs> with his movie that is about false accusation. Why do they keep letting him make movies, especially ones that are clearly designed to like? Yeah, like that one's like a. <laughs> eh. <laughs> For those who don't know, Roman Polanski drugged and raped a thirteen-year-old girl. And then no, Kyle it was willing. She was willing or something. She says she forgave him, so that gives Hollywood the, carte blanche to forgive. They're him. like, oh, we forgive him too then. No problem. Me too? Mm, no. Not for Polanski. He's only got like a handful of good movies anyway. So. Chinatown? Chinatown, Rosemary's Baby, Knife in the Water. Um, The Pianist. Remember when that won the Oscar and got a standing ovation? And I didn't... At the time, I was only like 11 or 12. So I didn't know all the Roman Polanski I stuff. That, but... I might have been. But all I knew was The Penis was a boring movie. <laughs> it was. <laughs> and then Adrian Brody's like, yeah, I'm going to be an action star now. An action? Oh, I guess he did like Predator. Yeah. He had the weirdest career after that. <laughs> they should have had um, Roman Polanski in Predators. <laughs> <laughs> they already put another pedophile in Predator. I don't... Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, in the new one. Because of Shane Black. Because Hollywood's more Shane Black's an idiot, yeah. He's like, oh, anyways, buy our movie. I don't think people would be upset. Yeah, anyways, uh, Hollywood, you fucks. Buy our screenplays. Fucking dummies. Make make something good for once. Even though, so far, the things we've written kind of... I guess they're not completely hauntological, but they definitely reverence to exploitation films and stuff. But, I mean, that's that's where the meat's at. That's where the fun is, right? The protein. The good shit. Uh, yeah, anyways, Akira. It was originally released in June of 1988 in Japan. And then uh, the That's very movie. the very opening of the movie is July 16th, um, 1988. And then there's a giant explosion that destroys uh, Japan. And so the people in the theater are like, fucking next month? <laughs> <laughs> Enjoy your summer, kids. <laughs> Less than a month away. It's alluding to the atom- an atomic bomb going off because it's in the midst of World War Three, But uh, you find out later in the film it was actually like a psychic event caused by Akira. Akira, never seen in the film exactly. He does show up eventually like as a, ghost a pile like a of... Well, in a pile of jars. Because <laughs> <laughs> uh, after the um, 88 event, the Akira event, they like... The government took him and experimented on shit and basically just cut him up into little bits. But I guess they learned a lot about psychic abilities because they were able to create um, permanently 
children, 60-year-olds, right? Because they're just old as shit, but stuck as being kids. Or is it that because of the experimentation makes them just be weird monster I, kids? My reading on it was that like they were like they were all taken around the same time as Akira was. Yeah. And like they they what they learned from Akira and like the medicine they created is what made the kids permanently kids. Yeah. So like the way they controlled their powers is how they made them permanently kids. Mm-hmm. I mean that's just a little set dressing. The real what we're really into here is fucking biker gang <laughs> fucking biker gangs bruh um we got uh our main hero his name is canada <laughs> <laughs> if you um so uh which version did you watch i watched the dub man okay was it do you know if it was the uh 89 streamlined version or the 2001 pioneer no i think it was the 2001 pioneer version. Uh, so um in the japanese version when you watch it, you can, when they say his name, it's straight up just, I think it is pronounced like Canada, uh-huh. <laughs> but the, the way it is, and I think both dubs, I haven't watched the 2001 Pioneer dub, I don't think, cause, but the, it's Canada. And his best friend, Tetsuo, who's got like the craziest forehead. Yeah, his character design is like, you got such a forehead, man. <laughs> he looks like a hydrocephalic. I can't say the word, but yeah. He's a wa- little water baby. Yeah, like Billy Quizboy. <laughs> yeah, so Canada is fucking cool. He's got The country? A, oh. Well, can they, well, we'll call him Canada. <laughs> he's uh, really fucking cool. He's got like the badass like red motorcycle jumpsuit. And then when he's in his casual clothes, pink polo. Um, like white khakis looking like Kanye West in circa 2005. <laughs> so <laughs> I, I, I see what you did, Kanye. Uh, actually, around that same time period of the Kanye song where he samples Daft Punk. Oh, yeah, yeah. It has Akira clips in it. So maybe he did actually. I think he did intentionally. It's also the same time I feel like he was he was cribbing uh, Show Enough style a little bit. Show Enough. He definitely had the Shutter Shades. Shutter Shades. Yeah, he made those cool. That that was yeah, like Show Enough made those cool. <laughs> um, that was later though. The Shutter Shades. I feel like it was the same time, but maybe I, it all blends together. I'm getting too old. Mm-hmm. Shutter Shades was later, but anyhow, um, he's just a cool guy. He's basically he's the leader of the gang. Tetsuo is like his little bro, you know. He just kind of takes care of him, but Tetsuo's got something to prove. Because he's, he's like, always been a little. He's tired of being a runt. Yeah. yeah, tired of being a runt. That's usually like the most dangerous guy in gangs. The guy that's got <laughs> some yeah, proof to the other gang members. Yeah, it's like, oh, he's gonna. Do I mean, he does uh, brain shit. a guy with a hammer really early in the movie. Yeah, but I mean, they're all into that shit. As you can tell by the fluidity of animation, it's got it's like twenty four drawings per second in a lot of the scenes, which is a crazy amount. That's like more than Disney does. Uh, take that, Disney. <laughs> They also used some over like 300 different colors for the animation. Some of them were created specifically for anime. They created new colors for Akira. <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> because mostly uh, they did a lot. A lot of it takes place at night, which is traditionally you don't do animation at night because you have to do so much color work. But they said, fuck that. This is going to be real shit for like, <laughs> real cool people. We don't have time to mess around with the daytime. Nothing, <laughs> nothing cool happens in the daytime. <laughs> Which is the philosophy Batman the Animated Series took, too. Oh, the um, animation studio that made Akira actually did go on to do a lot of work for the Batman Animated Series. So and Big O. Big O. Remember Big O? Big O uh, Tires? No, you remember, you know, isn't it Big O? The mech, uh, it's the mech anime that's basically just Batman with a mech. No, I don't remember that. No. I'm they pretty might sure that was the same studio. Oh. 
Yeah, they uh they did some other ones, but the one that stood out was Batman the Animated Series because that's the one that has from the list that I was reading that had like a strong visual motif. Uh, they used black paper in Black Man. In black, I know, yeah, it was all black done in the black Animated Series. <laughs> and retro futurism. Mm-hmm. 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 But theirs is more like a '40s uh, World Fair. It was like the World's Fair yeah. version of the future from 1920. Which is super cool. That's perfect for Batman. Pretty good. Uh, they didn't have like H.H. H. Holmes in it, though. <laughs> Which That's is what they needed. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> when I think of the World's Fair, honestly, like the 1920, 1910 Chicago's Fair, yeah. World's Fair, H.H. H. Holmes was killing people <laughs> <laughs> in his murder hotel, the Devil in the White City, starring Leonardo DiCaprio. I don't think that's ever getting made, but it's been talked about a lot. Yeah, I'm where pretty he sure would play H.H. H. Holmes. I think I'd watch it. I don't really like Leonardo DiCaprio that much. Oh, he's gonna play uh, Tetsudo in the Akira remake. <laughs> <They're> gonna, <laughs> uh, it'd be interesting if it was like Brad Pitt and Leonardo DiCaprio <laughs> instead of being like uh, young, like Asian young kids. teens. It's these two old white guys. Yeah, <laughs> Brad Pitt as Kaneda and like Tetsuo, <laughs> I love you. No, like flashbacks where he's crying and them as kids. But even when they do the kids, <laughs> just kid, they just adult. de-age him. Like in ben no, they don't even de-age him. They're oh, just the old man, old. Brad Pitt crying. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And so, anyways, we should be doing the uh, Akira remake. I refuse. Well, I don't know. Actually, if, like they gave me enough money. They're yeah, that's right. It, you heard it here on the cult. I'm a sellout. No, you can't. You're never gonna sell out. You gotta get people, wrap people into your cult. <laughs> you're, you're the, right. You're the prophet. I'm true and honest. I'm unknowable, but completely lovable. So you're both beautiful and terrible. Subscribe to my newsletter. Uh, you get the basic idea, though. These are young punks, man. Tokyo's destroyed. They ain't got shit. It's similar to 2019 now. Actually, Tokyo's been completely rebuilt by this point. But well, no, because when they're on the freeway, it's like, don't go past here. It's the old city. Shit's uh-huh. fucked. So the parts really aren't. They just have like, and when they have like the media, the government, like council meetings, like, we need, fi- I told you we should spend the money on a new freeway. God damn. <laughs> <laughs> it's the same shit every, yeah. every <laughs> government's like. The uh, Japanese diet, that's what their sentence calls. Just happens to be a cognate with an English word. I think it means com- something completely different. I don't think it has anything to do with eating food. Eating Japanese food. That's because they really love sweet potatoes. Sweet potatoes. Do they? Okinawa. Okinawa. They have like their own kind of separate culture in Okinawa, yeah. though, because they're little island friends. They live forever. Someone can make a movie about that. <laughs> but instead, they'll probably just make a movie about getting blown up. That's, well, so I get it, because remember... Well, even now we're still seeing it up until recently when there was kind of people complaining about like the city destruction and superhero films and stuff. But for a long time, it was like destructions of skyscrapers and city skylines is the most terrifying thing as Americans can imagine because of 9-11. 9-11, of course, where some people did a bad thing. That's all I remember about it. You're supposed to never forget, but man, I got real tired of it. I remember. <laughs> I mean, Trump forgot because he's gonna yeah. supposedly host the Taliban like two days before the nine eleven anniversary. I was tired of that shit about three days after it happened. <laughs> I was like, "Yeah, it sucks, but why is everyone putting American flags on their car?" And shit? I don't think it happened three days after it happened. No, because I remember <laughs> we uh, for my English class at the time because I was like a sophomore in high school. 
we had to, for some reason, the teacher had us write an essay about our feelings regarding 9-11. And that was basically my essay. It was like, yeah, I get it. It was a tragedy. It was horrific and blah, blah, blah. But now it's all just false patriotism <laughs> and bullshit. Because listeners, you don't understand. I know like this far left politics is like a trying new thing you picked up and learned from memes on the internet. That's been me since I was like 13. <laughs> ain't new shit to me i was about trans rights when i like in fucking 1999 (laughs) so kill yourselves is what i'm saying or join my cult you got two options join my cult or you're fucking losing that's how you win them over (laughs) that's societal pressure right that's the pure pressure that's what you get the kids with don't you want to be cool (laughs) i think you have to you already have to improve your coolness ahead of time i think it's fucking apparent (laughs) anyhow i was also watching akira Cause it was, it, yeah, probably around then. It was there's uh, a few different periods where Sci-Fi Channel would show it. I that. That's how I first saw it. So I missed out on the violence and nudity. There's not really that much nudity. No, and it's also not gross exploitative stuff like a lot of anime in the eighties was. Where it's like, oh, you looking titties, and I'll put my fingers in your mouth and rape you and stuff. You know, like that real and Sci-Fi didn't really show a lot of that anime. <laughs> no, well, they, they showed Ninja Scroll, but heavily edited. How do you still show Ninja Scroll? I don't know, because Ninja Scroll is like always one of the the fucking main woman's powers are all based around getting raped, (laughs) basically. And she's poisonous. Yeah, anytime I think of like um like anime as an art form and like how like ridiculous can be, I'm like Ninja Scroll. (laughs) Ninja Scroll. I mean it's like cool, but like I would never like tell anyone I like Ninja Scroll. (laughs) (laughs) It's all there's a whole bunch of people. It's all right. This is our secret club, guys. It's us. This is a cult. This is a cult, right? Yeah, I don't like Ninja Scroll and I I don't ever tend to watch it again. Well you don't like the part where he Zartan speaking. You don't like the part where he cuts the rock dude's head in half and his head just like slides off. That ultra violence is great. But you get ultra violence in lots of places. Yeah, Fist of the North Star. Fist of the North Star doesn't have any explicit rape, just really rapey vibes. (laughs) Kira, not so much. There is, like, something's going on with the rival gang when they go to get revenge and they're assaulting Tensei's girlfriend. Like, it's getting there, but luckily Kaneda shows up and fucking just jumps off of a speeding motorcycle (laughs) and just runs really fast. He's a man of action. There's one point where he's trying to escape from from Tetsudo at the end. And like him, uh, his little buddy and uh, Kay mm-hmm. are on the motorcycle, and he's like running with it. He's like, "What do you mean, get on? There's no room." Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> fucking, I run thirty I'll just, miles. I'll just take off. <laughs> Don't worry, guys. I run thirty miles an hour, no problem. Or uh, even that fucking Usain Bolt over here. That same fight scene with the rival gang where he runs up the front of the motorcycle yeah. and kicks the dude off. He's like an anime superhero. <laughs> and then of course there's a. Uh, oh, he also does like a like a motorcycle laser fight with uh, Tetsudo at his full power, even uh, though he, he had just destroyed the entire Japanese military. Yeah, but Kaneda's got that super powerful gun, <laughs> or that he stole from the military. Uh-huh. Yeah, but he's better than the military. He's got As that he's, big dick energy. I mean, you can make an argument that Tetsudo's you know there's something mentally there that he's not going to try. He's to not going to try to kill Kaneda. Yeah, yeah, because well, yeah, that's still like his older his bro. brother for you. Yeah. Yeah. I think the real what they're really getting at is uh, organized military. The state itself is useless, and it takes strong individuals to go out there, change the world. One well, man. Then why is the colonel the like the other hero in this movie? I don't know that. I, that There's always like a, bothered a, me. Japanese people in, in films too. Well, it's not Jap- to Japan. It's. America too, where it's always like there's that fine, upstanding, yeah, real, honest, right. There's like it's very. Guy. I guess it's very similar mentality to to American, but yeah, there's always like a 
an honorable like he's above like the uh-huh. he's doing it for the right reasons right he's a dick for the right reasons yeah somehow he's above all the institutionalized structural imperialism that he perpetuates because <laughs> he's doing it for because of his own personal code of ethics right which is still bad <laughs> A hero, I guess? He beats up the old guy that's into, like, the resonance frequencies. He's like, scientist dude? But yeah. uh, he's just beating him up because the scientist didn't kill Tatsudo when he was supposed to. Yeah. I don't know. <laughs> um, so that's... Uh, a lot of people actually have a complaint about this movie in that, um, since it is so truncated from the manga, even without knowing the manga, they complain that it's the second act is a little bit too amorphous, yeah. where it, not everything completely adds up. But to me, I think that actually makes it better because reading the manga, they get so you get so much detail about every side character and everything. There's all this tangential stuff. Yeah, I mean, there's a fine line between too much information and not enough. For me, it's like e- you easily step over that line, like because I just don't like things to be spelled out for me. I'd rather like fill in the blanks on my own mm-hmm. if it seems pertinent or not to the actual story they're telling. The manga, we learn a lot more about the government figures. Um, that religious leader that like his Shows cult, like two seconds, that yeah. like worships Akira. We learn so fucking much about that guy, and it just ruins there's the character. No, we completely. don't need to know anything about the cult that's worshiping Akira. Yeah, yeah. So there's stuff in the manga that I don't like. Um, it is still really cool, just because the idea of Akira is really cool, but like, it doesn't need to be two thousand pages. <laughs> they do have like some amazing like fucking two-page like spreads of like citywide destruction and crazy stuff like that monster tetsuo it's pretty cool i mean like read the manga it's cool too but i i don't have the same problem that a lot of people have with the movie where oh i don't know they didn't spell everything out for me so it's <laughs> not a good movie like people's complaints about mad max fury road when it came out i'm uh, pretty that was well, yeah, but there's people like, well, we need what's the deal with the Morton Joe? You fucking learned everything you need to know about him. He's a evil, shitty villain, dude. <laughs> like, what do you, you know? He loves big titties. <laughs> he's not. He's gonna have some great motivation. He's a piece of shit. What do you want? Yeah, it's, <laughs> she disobeyed him, and now she's gotta be punished. And he's also mad because she doesn't have big titties, and he only likes big titties. <laughs> I think, right? <laughs> Well, oh, I don't no. think it was the milk. Oh no, I, yeah, I'm mixing <laughs> up two things because his sex slaves were all models and stuff. Yeah, and then the, he just had like wet nurses, which we were talking yeah, about. Yeah, we talked off air. We talked about it with our mom last night. <laughs> yeah, so I don't think we need to have all the motivations spelled out exactly. We just basically need to know what's going to drive Tetsuo to get to this point. And here's the basic rundown of Tetsuo. He's an orphan, just like Kaneda. Shows up in an orphanage. He's a wimp and gets bullied. Kaneda helps him out. They're best bros forever now. Uh, their life's pretty hard and shitty. School sucks. They get abused at school. Uh, law enforcement sucks because you get it's law enforcement, <laughs> so you understand. Um, and so all they can do is just get out there, man. Fucking get their bikes. Have a good time. They don't show them drinking forties or like tall boys, but you know that's what they're into. They're, when they're at that pill bar, like they call it, like that's fucking garbage, man. We don't fuck with those pills. We just out here with that fucking black tar. And yeah, so they just get up to no good. I like the beginning of the movie where they show, they just throw a crowbar at that guy's windshield and then throw a grenade in a car. Because <laughs> it's like, fuck it. When I saw this movie as a kid, I was like, yeah, that's the world I want to live in. <laughs> the fucking world. <laughs> I want to do hood shit. Tetsuo, though, he needs to prove himself because he's tired of being called a squirt and being kind of bullied by his own gang. 
Which is weird. You'd think like Canada would bully him, bully him a little bit, but like not the other guys, because he you'd think he'd be like number two. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that he, would be my read on yeah, too, but but it's the guy with the cut off pill sweatshirt is kind of the number two. Seemingly, he's the only one that makes it to the end of the movie. So. <laughs> <laughs> he's definitely number two now. Yeah. Canada's chilling in the pill bar. He's trying to listen to some tunes. The bartender's like, fucking play something. This isn't the discotheque. <laughs> and then uh pill sweatshirt man is like, hey, we got the clowns cornered. And you're like, fuck, who are the clowns? Who are these going to be? The Jokers? Is it going to be the Jokers again? I'm the Jokers, baby. <laughs> I'm the Joker, baby. How do I get these cars? <laughs> <laughs> you ever seen that YouTube video that's from? No. It's so good. It's a guy doing like... It's like his, it's a videotape from like his acting class, you know, like you get to do your scene. Yeah. He chose like the scene where the Joker interrupts like the dinner party. And he's just wearing a shitty like Joker Halloween costume with bad face paint. And I'm the Joker, baby. <laughs> it's pretty bad. It's actually like you just kind of feel bad for him because he's not doing a bad job. It's just like all the elements at play <laughs> are not working. Yeah. It's like, well, first of all, I would just use that scene. Um, so it comes with a lot of fucking nerd baggage. It, you could have like better makeup and costuming. Um, the overacting that Heath Ledger did in the movie kind of doesn't work without the context or anything else in the movie. I don't know. It's just a it bold choice. We'll say it's a bold <laughs> choice. You guys seems pretty powerful. The clowns are not the Joker's gang because no white boys. There's no no dorky white boy with scars. They get into a big like motorcycle fight. It's one of the coolest animated um, action scenes of all time. Uh, Kaneda does that uh, like controlled slide like into frame that everyone loves and has been copied a million times in other anime because they in Japan they also can't come up with new things. They just constantly tear from the past. <laughs> I mean, how many uh, Gundam series are there? There's like a million. They also do, uh, what is it, that Moe and Sugoi shit, which is like cute or perverted um, pandering shit. That's mm-hmm. kind of what anime is now. They all, why do they all look to, why did, so, in Akira, why they all look the same? Why they all look the same? In Akira, right, and a lot of anime in the 80s, they had their like own style. Like Fist of the North Star doesn't look like Akira. Akira doesn't exactly look like a Ghibli, Ghibli movie. All this sort of shit. Akira's got like a very expressive car, like just cartoony enough so that the they can be easily expressive characters, but a little element of realism to it. Now everything is like thick digital lines, you know, the monster anime faces. Yeah, I mean they have a lot of the same problems that uh, uh, American animation has, I, I think. But oh yeah, in America it's just like monster kids. With like big eyes and weird shit, yeah. and then Japan's like monster girls with big eyes and big breasts and stuff. Mm-hmm. And oh, oh no, you saw my panties. That's like uh, <laughs> you just wrote ten episodes. Yeah, when I think about <laughs> anime, it's always like, oh, whoops, you saw my panties. I'm so embarrassed. And then the male protagonist is like, oh, oh, oh. oh let's talk about Kyle's <laughs> favorite version of that anime. I believe it's called Love Hina. Love Hina. <laughs> That's some classic shit. When I was fourteen. That was, you know, those, like, sad, uh, lonely, sad boy hours when you're 14. <laughs> when you're like, yeah, I wish someone would love me. But then you grow up, and someone does love you. And yeah, like, God, it's not as great. It's like, yeah, it doesn't quite work out. They don't like the same movies as I do. 
Like everything. I honestly couldn't. I don't want you, you keep looking at me like you're expecting me to say you, something. I, you, I don't watch fucking anime. You've watched the Baki the Grappler. I have JoJo's been, Bizarre Adventure. I mean, I have heard of JoJo's Bizarre Adventure. JoJo at least does actually have its own unique animation style. I tried to watch it though, and it was still just like fighty guy anime. Yeah. Which I was like, eh, I don't care that much. But I will give it credit for just being kind of weird and having its own style. That said, most anime doesn't. They spend fucking such extreme character design elements that they can't fucking animate them. So everything is just close ups of people talking and the characters like barely move. Fucking hate anime. <laughs> Don't come out with that Evangelion shit either, too, because this is fucking garbage. He didn't know what the fuck he was doing. God damn. Which is fucking only. Evangelion's also 20 years old. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> anime. I like when, um, was it, uh, Ray's really hurt and Shinji goes to see her and so then he masturbates and he looks at coming in his hand and he's like, man, I'm so fucked up. <laughs> Why is that in the anime? <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, <laughs> why'd you put that in there? What does it serve? The, how does it serve the characters at all? Weird shit like that. And then you like, he just didn't know what he was doing. He's just like, this will be kind of weird, I guess. <laughs> Whatever. People have to think about this one for a while. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, and like his older mentor gets shot at the end and she's dying. And then she just makes out with Shinji, Shinji to inspire him or something. So what? <laughs> Why? <laughs> and at the end when Asuka is like, um, going to choke him to death. And he's like, I came in my pants or he got a boner or something. <laughs> I don't remember what it is, but it's just some more weird shit. Some weird, like, sexual shit. <laughs> Basically, the guy that created Evangelion is just like, really, his sexuality is so, like, repressed and mis- mis- <laughs> messed up, I think. He's real mixed up. Curious about, um, uh, so people are terrified of the new Joker film because they think it's going to inspire incels, right? I don't know if that's shooter. quite right. I just yeah. don't think it can be that good. Honestly, it's Todd Phillips and he's copying Martin Scorsese. Same thing I'm talking about here. Like, I'm tired of seeing the same shit over and over again. So, like, that's my concern with it. Um, I don't think Joker is going to inspire anything more than for dumb white boys on the internet to quote the Joker annoyingly like they did with Heath Ledger. Oh, you mean like the one kid that quoted the Joker in that movie theater? Uh, did he remember that? You don't remember the that Aurora movie shooter in the movie theater? Yeah, I know the Aurora shooter. I don't think he quoted the Joker. No, though. I was just but he was <laughs> but he posted about the yeah, Joker and he and was shit. had his hair colored and shit. I'm just saying that you know you can't say it's not going to inspire anybody because I mean it's possible. Heath Ledger's Joker inspired somebody. Yeah, it's, po- it's absolutely possible. That's not like my big complaint about yeah. it. Though. I just don't think it can be that good. I'd be happy to be surprised though. I do like Joaquin Phoenix. I don't know. I'm not. I'm just not interested in a solo Joker movie. Oh yeah, like as like quoted from that um critique last week where they're talking about oh so this is kind of the end of film like everything is just gonna be a character study of a well known property so Black Widow like fucking lost in translation or whatever and so, yeah that is a really depressing future to think about so that's what I'm saying the, the that's old man Joker taking care of his wife after a stroke fucking millions of people watch that shit I would not watch that I don't even know if I'm gonna watch this Joker movie. I mean, I'm, not, on I'm not going to pay for it, <laughs> <laughs> but I'll watch it. <clears throat> I don't really pay for anything anymore, though. I'm a criminal. <laughs> I don't pay for food. I mostly just do it. I just steal things. Well, you, uh, every like you pick up your groceries, right? Yeah. Um, you, can you just roll by there and steal groceries? You think? <laughs> no. 
Uh, you remember in trailer? You ever watch Trailer Park Boys? Yeah. Like they would steal groceries and resell them. Like I just, I was just like, maybe you just roll by um fucking Walmart. <laughs> groceries hanging on. The yeah, they just groceries in tubs and be like, oh, well, these are my groceries. <laughs> <laughs> Looks yeah. like I'm eating paste picante. <laughs> New York <laughs> City. <laughs> All right, back to Akira. We we gotta rein this shit in, man. The cult. I'm not doing it. You're the one going on the tangents. <laughs> Our cult needs direction, all right? You're the... <laughs> Keep this shit locked in. Kids like a man, right? <laughs> this cult needs direction. I'm just here to, like, change faces and do funny voices. <laughs> oh, yeah, it's our turn. <laughs> I was going to call you Destro. How come he didn't sound Scottish in the cartoon? Destro? He did a little... He had a little bit of a... Talk like this. I talk like this. Cobra Commander, you are an idiot. Yeah. Oh, yes. The reason I brought the Joker, though, about how it's probably not going to inspire mass shooting is because of sad boy fantasy, power fantasy. That's kind of Tetsuo in this movie. He's got something to prove. He wants power. He's tired of getting bullied. What really sets him off, first he crashes into the kid, the psychic kid. And because of that event, he's got, oh, God, I hope this isn't awakening latent psychic powers. Yeah, Is it awakening latent psychic powers or is he being infected by psychic powers? I've, my mind, my impression based on just the way the kids talk about it is that everyone has this ability. Yeah, and they accidentally popped yeah. it off. And he they accidentally awakened his latent psychic powers. Mm. Well, yeah, because um, it's because of the Akira event. Everyone's got psychic powers to a certain extent, mm-hmm. basically. Yeah, I guess the, the movie kind of covers it i thought maybe like oh, what about that? but no <laughs> it's not really there yeah then he wakes up in the hospital he escapes and he goes to see his girlfriend and he's like man that's some crazy bullshit well, let's you get know, out of here let's fucking run away and he goes to steal canadian I'm, I'm gonna take canada's bike yeah he goes to take canada's motorcycle i like um, his sticker citizen canada <laughs> yeah um and then him and his girlfriend they're making their escape and they it's all revenge time from the clowns i think because the only one of the clowns they show in the first part that seems to look like a clown is the main guy. And he doesn't show up in this fight scene. So maybe it's the clowns or just some other gang. But they cause a lot of trouble for him. Kaneda saves the day. Uh, Tetsu was really pissed about getting beat up and also having to be saved by Kaneda. And uh, he's going to beat the shit out of one of the other guys. He's really... he's. He's giving it to him, which I understand. It was like, you sexually assaulted my friends, so I'll probably kill you. And he was like, you, what, you want to kill him? And Tetsu was like, well, yeah. <laughs> what are we out here in these streets doing, right? Someone's got to take it to the next level. Didn't you see me in the beginning? I brained a man with a hammer. <laughs> yeah. And they're knocking each other off of motorcycles going like 80 yeah. miles an hour. They definitely have killed some people. Yeah. I don't give a fuck what they They threw grenades into someone's yeah. car. He's like, well, you want to kill him or something? It's... I guess like, it, I thought we were doing that. <laughs> Maybe it's uh they it's kind of like chivalry amongst the knights where like you try to, <laughs> like a parlay parlay yeah. ransom please <laughs> yeah you just try to ransom them and stuff. <laughs> but otherwise, regular citizens though you just blow their shit up. <laughs> but other gang members, so yeah, you do parlay stuff. And so Tetsuo uh, Kaneda bullies Tetsuo quite a bit, and the rest of the gang. And Tetsuo, that's what just you like, do when you're the the gang leader or court leader. No, no, you gotta. You got to prop people up, but you got to make it so. Well, no, I can't give away my tricks on this podcast. <laughs> I just got to. I get learned it at Jared Leto's feet. <laughs> <laughs> you know who I learned from. It's, ah, Charlie Manson. <laughs> Coming to creep at you like a spider. <laughs> but he's like, fuck this shit, man. I'm Tetsuo. 
And I got brain powers. Yeah, and the cops show up. Well, not the cops. The army shows up. We're going to take this boy. Yeah, because he escaped from spooky brain power lab. Yeah. And like, and they get him, and Canada's just like, what the fuck? Because, I mean, what would you do if your friend got snatched up by the military all of a sudden? You're like, what's this? I mean, you... I feel like you'd probably put up a little bit more of a fight than they did, but... Well, they come in one of those, like, military cruiser things. Like, what can you do with it? You model top it, I guess. Ram your bike into it. His bike is way too cool. He's like, oh, no, I can't scratch up my baby. Unless it's, like, a potential, like, world-ending event at the end. He's like, all right, well... Sacrifices have to be made. Uh, Luckily, though, when they had been arrested the previous night, uh, Canada had uh, made friends with uh, Kay. I think it's like Kai in the Japanese version, who is part of some sort of resistance. Like, they were the ones who were trying to help get that kid in the beginning of the film and get shot up. Yeah, yeah, that's right. And then I like I did not understand that. That's the one piece I wish they would explain. Yeah, that's the resistance part. Is yeah, that it's just, not clear at all what their fucking their their deal is? Oh, I, I so my assumption, um, in the manga they get into it quite a bit more, and it it actually gets kind of messy. So it's like, well, which would you you would get with like a um political resistance group? You would think in like such a complex time, but in my assumption is what in the movie it's always just been like, no, nah, they just want to rescue the kids. You know, simple as that. Like. How the fuck are they experimenting on these kids? This shit's weird. It's like if I was gonna start um a political resistance, like top of the list is go to the border and set the kids free. You know what I mean? <laughs> it's like there's some other shit we need to fix too, but like top of the list. <laughs> probably just get probably kids. kids. Yeah, get kids out of prison. <laughs> yeah, uh, maybe, but then why does like the head dude, the Ryu guys, why does he go to the he's working with like one of the people from the government itself? Mm-hmm. Well, so the in and that guy doesn't seem like he's on the up and up. Yeah, so in the manga they get into it more because there is a traitor who is like feeding intelligence. Yeah, it's that guy. I figured I read into yeah. that. Yeah, and then the government is also different wings of the government are working against each other. So the guy that he's working with wants to have control over the fucking brain power kids and oh, okay. you know all this complex shit that's not. So basically, the resistance uh, is being used by those two. Yeah. It's yeah. kind of what I figured, but I just didn't understand what his angle was or what really the resistance angle really was. Yeah. Um, while Tetsu was in um, prison hospital, there's a cool scene where he gets attacked by giant um, toys. And then uh, the, the glass breaks and Tetsu cuts his feet and there's blood. And then these scary giant uh, teddy bears like, oh, no, blood. I'm scared. <laughs> and then they fade away. And it's like, oh, yeah, there's dumb kids. <laughs> These kids, though, are all, uh, they're not kids, right? There's some of them, are, they're 30 years old in some cases. I think they're, yeah, they got to be quite old because it's from around the time of Akira, right? right? So 88, and then this is 2019, so 40, 50 years old. So, and all, also, kids. yeah, they're, well, they're not even like mentally kids exactly. They have like, they have um like arrested development yeah, I guess sort of thing, yeah. but they also, Still have matured a little bit. Um, they kind of make me sad. <laughs> yeah, no shit. Like they make me real sad. I'm like, oh man. Especially in the beginning, even without knowing all the details, when the ones the guy's trying to rescue him, it's like, oh, this makes me real sad. So that's a good thing about Akira. 
It's one of the only animated movies that is in Studio Ghibli where I'm like, oh, emotions. <laughs> I feel something. <laughs> yeah, because usually it's like, oh boy, I sure hope Goku can punch Cell's butt off. <laughs> <laughs> I'll find out next time. Tetsuo is just fucking a really strong psychic, though. Yeah, right? he's like got crazy psychic powers. So he is a dick to the kids. This is like where the movie really turns for me, where it's like, oh, I don't feel bad for Tetsuo at all anymore. He's a dick because he just bullies these kids. And it's like, come on, man. They're in the same boat as you. And they're kids. <laughs> I mean, they're not kids, but they are. They just got, you know, old skin. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so I feel bad for him. The um, little girl kid, like, it doesn't seem like she can walk anymore. She's just really tired yeah, all the time. like a hyperbolic time chamber. <laughs> yeah, so that's sad. The other guy, the other guy, he looks like Donald Trump, (laughs) (laughs) and he's got a little potty floats around Mm -hmm. him, which is pretty cool, admittedly. He's like Modoc. Yeah, (laughs) at least a little bit cooler than Donald Trump. (laughs) (laughs) Modoc's more like Donald Trump. (laughs) Yeah, so this is the turn where I'm just like, oh, Modoc. Tetsuo is nothing but trouble. He's bullying the kids, and he wants power. The kids like accidentally tell him about Akira. Well, I guess. It seems like information that you would tell someone who's like, all right, well, you're part of the party. You're the team now, right? You know, you're here stuck with us. So, like, this is what you need to know. But little did they know, Tetsuo is a little power-hungry bitch. And he's like, oh, Akira, huh? I'm fucking find this Akira and kill he's him. He's fucking with my mind. I'm going to kick his ass. Well, I mean, that's what he thinks. He thinks Akira is, like, fucking with his head. Yeah. Well, yeah, because he doesn't realize Akira is not alive. But mm-hmm. Akira kind of is. Brain powers are weird. Well, when, yeah, when they find when he gets the jars of Akira, it's like brain stem <laughs> and like some, optic nerve. Yeah, parts of him are, must still be operating. Yeah, because they they have the resonance frequency for Akira, which is like active, so like he's capable of doing something. Is Akira actually in his head? Fuck if I know, man. Yeah, I mean, presumably he would be because. The the kids aren't actively in his head. He thinks they are at first, but then they tell him about Akira, and like they can hear Akira too. And they, oh, he's coming back. Akira's coming back. Akira's not really coming back. Maybe he's gonna possess Tetsuo. I thought this plan. We don't really get any indication of it. No, it just seems like Tetsuo's a dick. Yeah, it seems like maybe Akira is planning something else. Tetsuo is just a a, a prickle. Tetsuo. Tetsuo! Can't wait for Brad Pitt's powerhouse performance. <laughs> I'm telling you, Leo would kill it. It's Tetsuo. He'll be Canada. Um, no, Brad Pitt's Canada. Yeah. That's I know. What I mean. Leo is going to kill it. It's Tetsuo. Oh. Tetsuo. Tetsuo. I don't know. There's a D in there. No. It's just Tetsuo. I don't want it to be Leonardo DiCaprio. I want it to be Matt Damon. No. And the colonel will be George Clooney. <laughs> and it'll be directed by Steven Soderbergh. <laughs> or Joel Schumacher. Ooh. Oh, my God. Real quick side tangent. Did you see Joel Schumacher said he slept with like 40,000 partners? And someone did the math. Obviously, it's not possible. But like... That's a lot. Mm-hmm. He would be having like... From like the age of 13 onwards, he'd have to have like 55 partners a day or something. <laughs> yeah. but something ridiculous. Joel Schumacher is crazy, basically. <laughs> so he should probably direct the Akira remake. They'll have uh, like nipples on Canada's uh, uh, bike jacket. <laughs> Get it? It's um. Everyone Batman have really spandexy forever asses. joke or something. I don't know. Is it, it was a low effort joke. It was almost a meme, honestly. Anyway, that's weird. He, that's even like more than Will Chamberlain numbers, which makes sense because Will Chamberlain's 
an athlete, like he'd have the stamina for it, you know. And Joel Schumacher. I mean, some not. of these numbers are ridiculous because basically you're just not getting shit done at all. Well, so I mean, Wilt Chamberlain's probably exaggerating too. It's because there's no way he's keeping actual count too. Right. He's basically just like, yeah, it's a lot of women. I fucked a lot of people. So cool, I get it. And Wilt Chamberlain, it makes sense. Like I said, he's an athlete. Um, his schedule relatively open, right? You know what I mean? He's he wasn't doing too much, but practicing and playing basketball and having sex probably which i can see it you know and he's got the stamina for it man he's will chamberlain so that makes sense you don't know what joel schumacher's cardio is like I also he keep it one of those dudes he just laid there that's true but he's also a director i know he doesn't really direct or do very much anymore but for a while like when he was at the height of his like uh hollywood fame or hollywood power i mean it's still a lot of work to, to direct Batman versus Robin. That is still like <laughs> got to be really time consuming. Like, he was, he was. There's, there's no way there's a lot of shooting days where he's able to have sex with multiple partners. <laughs> no. So there's days he had to make up for it and have sex with like seventy people. <laughs> Maybe he just lined them all up and in just one poke and he's moved down. The Maybe line. it was just like if they're there while I'm having sex, it counts. <laughs> <laughs> Man, what are you? I mean, even if you legitimately had sex with that many people, why the fuck are you going around talking about it? I don't understand it. Yeah, especially when it's like so unreasonable mm-hmm. i had sex with a million people i have twenty thousand stds <laughs> i have stds they haven't even fucking died i have yet. stds only wombats get I, that's right i fucked them i fucked marsupials australia i'm banned in australia won't let me in just like johnny depp <laughs> i forgot about that kira tetsuo turns into a meat monster well the first thing he does though is he flies up into fucking space and destroys a satellite because they're dropping shit on him. Oh, they're lasering him. Yeah. They're dropping bombs. Like a goddamn space laser. Remember that uh, project, that project that someone had um, pitched for America where it was like a giant space station that would just drop like giant columns? Rods from gods. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know if I... I believe we might actually have one of those. You think so? I mean, it's like a pretty like ele- simple, elegant solution, yeah, right? It's like, yeah, we're going to create our meter, meteorites. Yeah, we just <laughs> dropped like big heavy shit from space. Well, fuck some shit up. <laughs> I like when he goes into space to kill a satellite because it's badass, first of all. But um, this is one of the first films to uh, utilize the fact that there's not any sound in space. Oh, that was cool. Yeah. You don't see that again until Firefly, I think. Yeah, Firefly's like the Serenity. A lot of people are like, yeah, he, uh, you know, it was invented in like gravity and uh, interstellar and shit. So, nah. Didn't 2001 use it too? Yeah, there's this, 2001 uses a lot of space silence. Yeah, so I mean, like 2001, Akira. Firefly, and then a bunch of other movies. A bunch of other movies are doing it now. Because they probably watch the old movies and like, hey, that's pretty cool. Or uh, Neil deGrasse Tyson sent him a tweet and was like, (laughs) hey, did you know there's no sound in space? And also, I'm a sex predator too. (laughs) Fucking science, man. He's so annoying. Science? Or Neil Neil deGrasse Tyson Tyson specifically. I'd like to hear his criticisms about Akira. Of fantasy sci-fi movies. <laughs> Yikes. Um, he, so Tetsuo is missing an arm for a bit. But from the rubble, he creates a new arm. A robot arm. One of the craziest pieces of animation you've ever seen. I don't know if like people realize it when they watch it, but how complex how many it is. moving parts are going yeah, on? Yeah, like it, so every like bolt and like shard of metal is like individually animated and it like grips around and like turns into muscle. 
you can see like the keyframe step by step animation for it. It's uh something crazy like yeah, four hundred like cells of animation oh just for God. that. And like you can see it step by step as every like piece is coming together and twisting around into like muscle and stuff. And it's like, holy shit, they must have spent so much time doing this. And there's parts in the film too where like they animate like the foreground and the background so they can use like movement and depth of field in it. Uh-huh. And it's like, man, that's so much effort to put into it. Obviously, it makes the movie look cool as fuck. Like, there's not another movie that looks like this except for some Studio Ghibli movies. But even there, like, it's not the same, like, fluidity of motion. So, it was worthwhile. It was quite an endeavor. Um, I guess what comes close is Redline, an animated film. Another anime that took, like, six years to make. Because it has, like, the craziest animation, too. But that came out in 2010. So... About a million years after it came out. <laughs> But yeah, they were just hand-drawn this shit back then. There's barely any uh, digital manipulation in this movie because it didn't really exist yet. You were still a few years away from that being really prevalent. So it's just a real monument to what animation can be. And then it came out and everyone was like, fuck, yeah, anime rules. And then there proceeded to not be any, another anime movie of this caliber for the rest of your lifetime <laughs> <laughs> so thanks akira we're gonna hammer that point in at least two more times <laughs> yeah i mean that's the that's basically the, that's the rest of this podcast that's the message of this podcast is there'll never be anything like akira again because fucking people can't even imagine anything like akira you can't imagine they don't got that they don't when's the last time you saw a movie that takes place in uh the like the near or near distant future that <sighs> is a completely wholly original idea I mean, there's not even a lot of them in back then. Like, Akira's still uh, borrowing from, like, Blade Runner and, and shit. It's from the same period as Blade Runner. Yeah, but... And Neuromancer. In fact, Blade Runner, Neuromancer, and Akira manga are the three pillars of cyberpunk. Yeah, but... I'm, okay. <laughs> but I mean, I guess what I'm getting at is, like, can you think of any uh, near-future movies besides those ones? I mean, like, there's not... There wasn't a lot to begin with. Uh, the entire sci-fi wave of the fifties and sixties. Um, I don't. I mean, like you, to a certain extent, like Star Trek, but I don't think that's true of a lot of the sci-fi wave of the fifties and sixties. I mean, I can get you a list, I guess, <laughs> where they were actively trying to predict the future. In fact, they're actively. Are we trying... talking about? I mean, there's definitely this, like p- p- uh, pulp uh, like novels and shit I can point to, but I don't like. I can't think of a lot of movies on top of the fifties and sixties. Oh, no, there's tons of sci-fi movies. They're not, like, necessarily, like, financial or even critical successes at the time, but their entire goal was to see what, like, space travel or even existence on Earth would be like in the future. I mean, like, space travel ones, to me, like, they don't seem like near future at all. That's, like, far distant future. And also, it veers all... Those, like, super uh, distant futures, like Star Trek, they veer into fantasy. Well, I mean, yeah, I, who cares about Star Trek? <laughs> but, uh, but I'm just getting like, the spacefaring ones, like you, you, they fucking they, Back they... to the Future. All right. <laughs> <laughs> like, well, yeah, Back to the Future is also uh, it's like that. It's also borrowing from like uh, the same aesthetic as Blade Runner and Neuromancer and Akira. Well, now um, Back to the Future, I think, borrows more from the '60s pulp than cyberpunk. Mm, yeah, I guess that's fair. Well, I guess it's a mix of the two, yeah. to be honest. I mean, that's true of everything. I guess that's my my point is like, well, you, so you have to have relative relative relativism with it because you're in the present and the past right. has happened, so you're gonna pull from the past and the present. 
to come up with some sort of future. That's all futurism is, essentially, is just trying to make educated guesses about the future. But people don't try to do it very much anymore in film. In fact, it's... I mean, you don't really They don't see... even make an effort to create anything new at all. It's existing Yeah, I mean, properties. that's like a separate yeah. issue with, with film, I think. But yeah, you can pull it out to all media, I guess. There isn't. I can't think of a lot of uh, stories that take place in like a near future. Uh, you see a lot in music now too, because uh, so just think about Prince or David Bowie or <sighs> soundtracks for film in the eighties in sci-fi movies, where they they were trying to push the limits of like what sound will be in the future. There's even like concept albums from like Hawkwind or whatever, where mm-hmm. it's like. The distant year of 2008. I guess what know. I'm getting at is but I can't even think of like is... a, a media right now that is that is really trying to do any type of look at the near future, you know, in 10, 20 years. Yeah, that's my point. But it's not like they're copying stuff that happened before. It's just no one's even looking at it. At it. Yeah, I feel like we've gotten so far up our own ass about nostalgia and the past that right, we, do we can't even previous. Perce- we can't even perceive the future. Yeah. It also might be because the future is terrifying. For us right now, because what's the on the horizon is oh we're all gonna burn to death. Oh no, some of us might drown. I guess. But are some of the young adult novels to films are they? Pre- yeah, I guess like uh, that, are they Hunger pre- Games? Is that like, are they predicting future in that or is it an alternate world? Yeah, I mean that's because I don't know enough about the lore of them to know. The Hunger Games are. definitely feels like an alternate world to me. Yeah, uh, and I never read like the Maze Runner or any of that shit, so I don't know. Hmm. That's like even uh, Battle Royale when it came out. It was yeah, that predicting was near- like scarcity of the near future and stuff. Mm-hmm. It didn't like solidify exactly what the causes were, but it wasn't important to the narrative. But if you want a near future movie, do I have one for you? Akira it's got cars. No wait. <laughs> oh, the movie we're making <laughs> or writing? Hell yeah! It's called Cars. That, Disney's that one. <laughs> Cars. It's not the end of the world, I guess. That people aren't making. Anything like Akira anymore? Um, obviously, it's just business. Uh, like I said at the, the beginning, preamble, capitalism and neoliberalism support of capitalism at all costs has kind of made it so. Um, where, where, where does consumption end and art begin? And currently, it seems like consum- consumption doesn't end and the art doesn't begin. Yeah, I mean. It's that's been the case. I I just feel like people finally realizing that's been the case for at least thirty years now. Yeah, the nineties weren't. Well, I mean, the Matrix, right? Yeah, Dark City. I mean, like, there's always like small. You can little, point to some even now. Small but, movements, yeah, but, but yeah, it's not the prevailing. It hasn't been the prevailing target or the prevailing goal or prevailing idea for yeah about thirty years. And that's it's really the started 80s. to change. And that's where I th- I feel like it, yeah the flip got switched. Like we got like Blade Runner, Terminator, Akira, Alien, Neuromancer, uh, the original Fallout video games. But even the Fallout video games when they were made were hearkening back to a future predicted by a past that didn't happen, kind of. Yeah, I mean, they were like 50s, 60s futures. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that was the pulp 50s and 60s. Mm-hmm. Like, oh, how would it play out if we got to the Cold War? <clears throat> yeah, but yes, yeah, so it just doesn't happen anymore. And that's my larger point is... um. Yeah, it's not the end of the world because it's just whatever. It's just movies. I I care about movies a lot, but that doesn't mean it's that important. But for me, I think it is important because it's larger than just movies or music or media. It's that we're so like culturally 
disturbed or in like some sort of rest of development our generation is that we can't see the future at all and that just seems seems completely hopeless <laughs> right and a lot of it of course is capitalist control and control by corporations and what's marketable and that sort of thing but well, I mean, there's a lot of people that just don't even try. Right? Yeah, here's the thing. That's certainly true of a film and TV shows to a large extent, right? Mm. But not music, though. Not music. Not really uh, books either, because you can self-publish. But I, I do feel, I do feel like it's it's an issue where uh, it's you know it's a little bit of both not being able to see the future and being afraid of what the future is going to bring. Yeah. Because they, we, I mean, for in America, at least this first generation, a long time that is absolutely going to be worse off than, than our parents. Yeah. And, uh, that's not, it's not a, a conducive to looking forward. You know what I mean? Yeah. That's, um, so people were looking ahead in the sixties and seventies and fifties. They were like, fucking, you just got some dude on the moon. Right. Mm hmm. It was like, damn, what can't we do? What's going to happen? I mean, and there can be argument to made about like the false patriotism and shitty things about the 60s and 70s. But people like shit was looking bright. You know what I mean? People like, man, like, well, it's going to be so cool in the future. Like, we're going to have like fucking cars to talk to us and shit and fly and blah, blah, blah. And now it's like. Oh man, we're all gonna burn in ten years. So fucking, I want to watch Captain America save the day. And then also the the car that talks to you is also listening to all your conversations and sending them to some uh, warehouse in Cupertino uh, where a bunch of guys are transcribing it to try to sell you the next product. Well, probably not even a bunch of guys transcribing it now, right? No, I think it was actual people who were transcribing it. So hey, we got a job for you. <laughs> yeah, I saw there was a burrito delivery robot at like one of the um, California campuses. And everyone thought it was automated, but it turns out they're being they're driven by some dude. Yeah, <laughs> so they're being piloted by workers in like Colombia for they're getting paid like two dollars yeah, an hour. Yeah. So you know, I think it was five labor. cents an hour is what I read. But it it's like slave labor. So uh, yeah, it's, it turned out the future predicted in the cyberpunk of the eighties ended up being kind of the same, but much more insidious. And there's not any resistance or counterculture to it popular culture just became so monolithic and absorbing everything there's not much hope for the future so it is weird to me how in some ways it's not as monolithic as it used to be like in the 60s when you know there's only three tv stations and everybody's listening to the same radio channels and the same music but i mean you think it it's that right. way but it's not exactly because everything is permutations of the same thing right. and there's like a unified meme culture at least for our generation you right. know so, i mean is that who's to blame for that though is it, i think it's just i think it's just people well i think it's because our generation is sick i'm not sick well there's definitely some sort of like arrested development infantilization escape from reality problem that a lot of our generation has mm. which is absolutely you can see it magnified and the full glory of Disney presents Marvel's Avengers. <laughs> like we're hoping that our childhood heroes are going to come out somehow come through the screen and save the day. And then we won't just rot away. I don't know. Red. I feel like that's true of a lot of generations. Like they didn't necessarily do it with like superheroes, but you can go back and watch John Wayne and it's the same shit. It's different though. Cause he represents just like totemic, like white man power, right? You just want to see justice served. Not like 
God damn, John Wayne, can you just change the the flow of history and change the events that are coming upon us? <laughs> you know what I mean? I don't know. I feel like you're, you're taking it a little far, but I, I don't know. I get the sentiment. Yeah, it's just the, the scale is much different, but it is like, oh, God damn, someone save us. Or at least someone entertain me, childhood <laughs> pop culture figure, so I don't have to think about how terrible life actually is. I guess like a lot of people just want escapism in entertainment, right? Yeah, I mean that's again that's been true for a long time too. Yeah, that's boring. The I guess you got to give the people what they want. Problem is, what I want is completely different, so I'm just upset all the time. <laughs> Tetsuo like basically consumes Akira when he turns into the meat monster. Yeah, yeah. He starts consuming everything. He's but... he hates his girlfriend. Yeah, that is scary. Yeah, that's like in Princess Mononoke too, when Lord Koto turns into a monster and the uh, um San starts to get like stuck in his like tendrils and stuff. That's all. That always like bother you. Yeah, it's like oh, oh it's a real body horror shit. Uh-huh. <laughs> well, it's like the claustrophobia and uh-huh. stuff too. Like, Nah, I mean, squeeze to death by a meat monster. Yeah. Well, I guess that'll wrap it up. 50th episode. um, VHS cult, McVentureProductions.com. There's, I mean, there's no hope. There's no future. Not from the mainstream media. Not from the mainstream (laughs) political parties. Not from your family who don't understand because they're from a generation that's completely detached from the reality we exist in now. The only hope is with me, with VHS cult. <laughs> so go to McVentureProductions.com. You see if you get those donations in there. You plant a seed, you watch it grow. Who knows how powerful it is.